0: Ephesians six. Ephesians six. Let you find it and then I'll say a couple of words and then we'll read the first four verses. All right. Got it? Let me let you meet Mary real quick, pal. Would you stop saying you, use my wife, Mary? We have three kids, they're all grown and gone. Will's an evangelist, and he's preaching in Indiana this morning. Um, And Will and Sina, his wife, have three children. The oldest is 21. And the youngest is 15. See, I have to get all this information (laughs) (laughs) from my wife who knows it. And uh, he's got two boys and a girl, Will. And then our second, Wendy, lives in Northern Virginia. She's married to a lawyer, and they have three children. And the oldest of their three is in college, and then two still at home. And then our youngest child is Ren, and she and Nathan, her husband, live near us and work in the ministries of the ranch. I'll get to that in a second. So they have three children, twins, and a girl that just turned 12. Was it Monday? That's Monday, yeah. So we uh, took her out. Um, to breakfast on Saturday morning to celebrate her 12th year. So that's, that's all of us. And uh, I don't have any pictures, but Mary does. And I'm sure you'd like to see pictures of the grandkids. And she's got on her phone about maybe 12 or 13,000 pictures uh, of the grandkids. So you can see those after that. It'll be fine. Bill Rice Ranch began in 1953. It's a camp in Tennessee. Murfreesboro is just uh, south of Nashville and uh, my parents began it in 1953 because of the burden they had for those who are deaf. My sister is deaf, and deafness is an educational handicap. You know, if you were um, crippled, you could still benefit from this service. If you were blind, you could benefit from this service. If you were educably slow, you would benefit greatly from this service, because I'm speaking, but uh, if you were deaf and you came here you wouldn't get anything, you know, you wouldn't get anything, unless somebody who loved the Lord and loved deaf people interpreted the service to you. So, uh, deafness really is a different world. You know, this is interesting. A lot of people think that sign language, which most uh, most deaf use, they think it's English and signs, but it's not. Um, it's a complete separate language, just like Spanish or French. It has its own subject-verb arrangement in its own way. of of qualifying what's being said. Actually, the sign language that we use in America came to us from France. So, interestingly enough, about the only people in the world that don't use what we call AMSLAM, American Sign Language, are the British. They don't want anything uh, to do with anything that came from France. So, um, they don't use it. And sign language is basically universal. It's not quite universal, but uh, gestural uh, languages. and so sign works off of that. Um, man, man, you know what's up here where the brain is. <laughs> Woman, I won't tell you what that's. Woman, man. So things like that, and you know, you can say happy or sad just by expression. Mary and I. Uh, we are on a Bible Lands tour in 1976, a long time ago, and we were in Egypt and we were going uh, on a ride on the Nile, and there were about 20 of us in the group, and there was a deaf couple there from Egypt that we met and with whom we talked. Uh, it was hard to be specific because we could communicate, uh, but if you ask their name, uh, their native language was, of course, uh, it, it was Arabic. So their spelling didn't make any sense and uh, specific things. But happy, sad, where do you live, things like that, uh, we could, we could uh, talk with them. So um, we've had death come to the ranch since 1953. We started out with 12 young people. We have about 250 a year now. And we have about 4,000 campers a year, a little more than that, other than those who are deaf. So if you can come see us sometime at the ranch, we'd, we'd love for you to do that. I'm not really sure, I'm not sure you can make it to heaven if you haven't <laughs> visited the ranch. I'm not I'm not positive about my theology on that, but I, I thank you. I'm kidding, you know, but you, uh, we'd love to have you visit the ranch. And uh, Brother Vince, were you born in Murfreesboro I was going to say was he born on the ranch (laughs) yes in one of the stables there on the ranch (laughs) he wasn't born on the ranch but his dad and mom we worked together in the ministries of the ranch and uh, brother Dale was for many years what we call a ministry coordinator so he kind of coordinated all kinds of things so uh, Vince and his uh, sister as well we've known since forever this is great. We've not been here. By the way, I love your building. Very nice, very comfortable, very usable. And so um, we came in last night and got our room, and then we we're going to have supper with Brother um, Vance and his family. And instead of reading the directions to their house, I read the directions of the church, which is two and a half miles from where we're staying. So we got back right to the church. We were 20 minutes late getting to the house. <laughs> this is a little different. We went the wrong way. I came to church, and you know, we were going out uh, to the house, and we came past farm after farm, horse farm. You know, beautiful bluegrass, beautiful farms, and and I was thinking, wow, this is great. I, Brother Vince probably has a horse farm or something. You know, <laughs> probably has 300 acres. And we pulled in, and I I found out that he doesn't raise horses. He raises chickens. He's got chickens running around, and that's that's. So it's kind of a disappointment. <laughs> but we had a delicious supper and a good time, and it's great to be here, and I'm glad you're here as well. Now, I speak in this session, and pastor told me how long he normally preaches. I think it's about an hour and a half. You know? <laughs> uh, uh, and then we have lunch, together, and of course everybody's welcome for lunch. And then after lunch we have nap time. We have (laughs) it in here, and I speak during nap time. So you come in here, and you can all rest, and I'll be be throwing chairs and turning the lights (laughs) on to keep you awake. I will only speak 20 minutes or less seriously after lunch. So uh, you, you have a shot. It's staying away. I may stop in the middle of the message and take a nap myself. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday's not Sunday unless you have a nap, is it? <laughs> so that'll be after. So this service goes until when? About Quarter till. Quarter till. Wow. My goodness. Oh, I'll been for a long time. <laughs> and so I'm have lunch. And then do you have a certain time you start? One uh, o'clock. One o'clock. You just start one o'clock. So we'll be here for that. Okay. You've got Ephesians 6. I'll tell you what, let's do, just out of respect to the Bible, let's stand as we read. Would that be all right? 6 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord father help us I pray now in the next few minutes as we see this passage may we learn from it glean from it and I pray that you'll help us to live in light of it Lord and we ask these things in Jesus name and for his sake amen let me see that now when the Bible says children obey your parents that would be plural would it not parents plural children obey your parents to the Lord it raises instantly a question how can children obey parents if there are two of them? Um, in other words, uh, the Bible has a lot to say about following one, does it not? Uh, for example, Joshua said, um, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. For the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood are the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So you have the gods over here, the gods over there are the Lord God, Jehovah. But you only have one master to follow. Uh, Remember the prophet said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, then follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Jesus said no man can serve two masters. Either he'll love one and despise the other, or he'll cling to one and reject the other. You cannot, Jesus said, serve God and Mammon. But you get to uh, this passage in the 6th chapter of Ephesians, and the Bible says, specifically, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Well now, how, how can that be? How can, seriously, how can a child obey parents? And I think the answers found in the end of the preceding chapter, you need not look, are also in Genesis where the Bible says, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother and be joined to his wife, help me out, and they too shall be one flesh. All right. So the way that God sees parents is thusly. In other words, God doesn't say, children, obey your parents in the Lord. God says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. So that dad and mom need to be on the same page so that children can obey their parents. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think a good dad or a godly dad or a good mom or a godly mom would ever differ as to how to handle their own children? Would would parents ever just normally or naturally differ? Well, of course they would, of course they would. All right. So that parents need to work at being one so that children can obey parents. Let me give you two examples. Here's a boy, and um, he's nine. Um, We'll call him Ted, all right? Ted comes home from school about, he gets home at uh, pretty close to four o'clock. His dad gets home from work at 4.45, and supper is five o'clock to 5.05. So he's home at four o'clock, Supper's gonna be within the hour. Well, Teddy comes home, he's nine years old, he's starving. He's starving. My dad used to say that a nine-year-old boy is just an appetite with skin stretched over it. So, uh, here's Teddy, he comes home and he says, Mom, I'm, I'm hungry. And in the refrigerator, in the freezer, have you ever done this? Mom has Hershey's with almonds. Have you ever done this? You put them in the freezer and they freeze solid, I'm t- it's great. I just <laughs> love Hershey's that are frozen this way. Not only will the sugar rot your teeth, but <laughs> since it's frozen, it'll break them off right at the roots. It's just, it's a wonderful way for one to live. So, Teddy says to his mom, mom, can I have a Hershey's with almonds? And she says, no. And so Teddy says, why? why? Oh, I just want to see if you had kids, right? <laughs> he says, why? And she says, because it will spoil your supper. Okay, well, he's not going to eat for an hour. And, and besides that, Teddy's thinking, I mean, there are things worse than having your supper spoiled. What, what is starving, you know, 40 minutes before supper? So he's not happy about it, but he can't get a hurt. She says, well, Dad comes home about, 25 minutes later, Dad walks in the door and Ted says with Dad, Dad, I'm starving. And um, I asked Mom for uh, <clears throat> Hershey's with almonds and she said no. And Dad says, why? See, spoiling your supper doesn't make sense to a nine-year-old boy. But neither does it make sense to a 32-year-old dad. See? <laughs> so... He says, um, Your mom won't let you have a Hershey's? He said, No, why? Because it will spoil your supper. It doesn't make any sense. Hey, son, Ted, go to the refrigerator, get two Hershey's with almonds, one for you and one for me. Now, let me ask you a question. Is he undermining the authority of parents? Mm -hmm. Yes. Why? Is he undermining his own authority? Yes, he is. Because, Parents in the Bible, is like this. So when Dad says to Junior, it's okay, he's actually undermining himself. You following this? Uh, let's use mom. Uh, Cynthia is 13. When she was 12, Dad bought her a dress. Dad loves Cynthia. Cynthia loves Dad. He bought her a dress. It was beautiful. It fit wonderfully when she was 12, but now she's 13. And she's grown, so it's too short, it's too tight, it's too whatever. All right, but Sunday morning, nobody knows, notices that Cynthia's putting on the dress that Dad got. It. Now, Cynthia loves her dad, seriously. And she's very proud of the dress because Dad <coughs> bought it for her. And so she gets up and she puts the dress on. She looks terrible and it. It's too, it doesn't fit anymore. It's too tight, it's too small, it's too short, it's too everything. But nobody knows this because they're going to church. See, and nobody wakes up. Um, on the way to church until about five minutes out from the building and sometimes people are still asleep when they walk in. Okay, so they're all getting dressed and stuff and, and they walk out of the car and dad notices the ill-fitting dress on his daughter. So he says to Cynthia, what are you doing in that dress? No daughter of mine is going to look like a street walker. You get in that house and get in something decent. Well, his daughter shocked. She didn't intend to look improper. She's wearing a dress that she loves. So she gets out of the car to go in the house. Mom gets out to go with her. And the girl is crying. And she says to her mom, Mom, why why did Dad say that? And Mom says, I don't know, your dad's a good guy, I guess, but sometimes he can be such a gark. Okay, is Mom undermining parents? And she's undermining herself. See this? So if children are to obey their parents, then parents need to work at allowing kids to do that. See, um, what if the child has done something that's wrong and mom thinks the punishment um, needed is more than what dad thinks? Well, don't argue about it in front of the child have a united front. and for, I think it's fine for parents to go back and talk and discuss things. And by the way, this is just a suggestion. If the stronger punishment seems too much to you, uh, but it doesn't to your spouse, I would go with it. Because better, better that you get things taken care of than that uh, there be trouble down the road. Number two, if you can't come to an agreement, that's one of the reasons <laughs> you have a husband. See, that's where the buck stops. And by the way, he's the guy that God will clobber if he's mm-hmm. not doing right. So the deal is um, try to be united with children. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. All right. Number two, why are children supposed to obey parents? Now look, look back at the verse if you've got it right in front of you. Children obey your parents. The verse tells us why. Why are children to obey parents? Because right. it's right. Now look, this has is, this is been a real help to me. Children are not to obey parents because parents are older, smarter, wiser, more godly, more thoughtful, more loving, more whatever than children. Because that's not always true. Sometimes uh, children may be more godly than dad mom. That's possible, is it not? They can be smarter in some instances. I don't think generally this is true, but they, they can be. They can be more loving, more thoughtful, more kind, more considerate. None of that is the point. And by the way, children are not to obey parents because parents are older. They normally are, are they not? Mm-hmm. But children are not to obey parents because they're older. Children are to obey parents because it's right, period. So, children. Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. And then the Bible says, Honor thy father and thy mother. So, not only are children to obey, but they are to live with honor in their life. There's a difference between a child obeying a parent and a child obeying a parent with a smile. In other words, if you say, Take out the trash, and you go, Oh, come on, Dad. I always have to take out the trash. My sister don't. Never got to do nothing. I got to do everything. If you get that, you need to work with it. And, and I'm serious about this. In other words, that's not Bible obedience, because Bible obedience has with it honor or respect. And if I said to you, do you think that the matter of respect would be somewhat missing? in our society today? Well, isn't there an obvious answer to that? I mean, wouldn't all of us say, well, yes, kids are not as respectful as they used to be? Well, why not? <laughs> See, somebody says, well, the school system, well, the public school, well, the this. No, no, it's us. It's at home. It's dad and mom. So, you know, work at your kids honoring. I I don't think every child has to learn to say, yes sir, and yes, ma'am, we did when I was a kid, we did. But I don't think every child has to say sir and ma'am. I think it's good. I, I ask our kids to do that. But the point is, if they can't say sir or ma'am, there still needs to be a nice crisp yes or no. You know, by the time your youngster is four, they should be able to look at an adult in the eyeballs and speak in a way that could be understood. Now, I look. I know a four-year-old is not a twelve-year-old. Is not an eighteen-year-old. Is not a twenty-five-year-old. I understand that, but they're becoming twelve, eighteen, and twenty-five, and uh, in the becoming years, it's important that they have respect. So, um, your your kids can work at that. You know, it's funny. I said sir all my life, and. Uh, I'm 76 now, so I say, sir, to a lot of people that are younger than I am. In fact, everybody is younger than I am. <laughs> so I say, yes, sir, to a lot of people. And I'll say, you know, you're at, a, you're at a filling station, you're paying for fuel. And the guy says, you get what you need, you say yes, sir. He, he says, don't, sir, me. You know, I got out of the Army 10 years ago. Well, fine, except why, why fuss about somebody that says, sir? You know, I would hate to think that the army is better at getting a response that says, sir, than an independent Bible-believing Baptist church, or even more importantly than a God-fearing home. So I think the point is whether or not your kids say, sir, they need to have respect. I think saying, sir, is a good way to do it. But if, if you don't happen to feel that way, that's fine. Just make sure they can look up and say yes or no or please or thank you. You know, my mother, this has always fascinated me, especially after I I grew up. My mother never wanted us to say ma'am. My mother was from the South, but she never wanted... She didn't like the sound of (laughs) ma'am. Yes, ma'am. She didn't like that. So we never said ma'am to mother, but we always said sir to dad or to other men. But the point is we did what our parents wanted, see? So, honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. I think this is important. The commandment with promise, of course, comes from the Old Testament. That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long in the earth. I do not think that God promises that every child that says, sir and please, will live to be old. I do think the promise means that you won't um, come to the end of your life before you should, because of dishonoring or not respecting. In other words, would God ever take a child, his child, home early because of the way they live? Well, we know the answer to that is yes. I don't think it happens very often, but it does happen. And the point is, you need not lose your life early because of disrespect or not obeying if you'll just follow what Ephesians 6 says. All right? Then it says, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, what does the Bible mean when it says, and ye fathers? And by the way, if it says ye fathers, it would include mom, wouldn't it? Because parents is one. Okay. So, fathers and mothers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In other words, don't badger your kids don't hassle your kids don't no 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 get up get up get up get up come on come on come on come on don't don't badger your kids teach your kids to honor and obey so that you don't have to hassle them in the business this thing of um Mommy only speaks one. How many times do I have to tell you to make your bed? Well, the answer is self-evident. Tell them once. See, tell them once. And don't hassle your kids about you know, their obedience. When, when a child doesn't obey, I think generally speaking, it's useless to ask him why he didn't. I told you to make your bed, why didn't you make your bed? Now stop and think of the possible answers. Um, I was tired, so, I didn't want to, so, I forgot, so, it's not the point, is it? The point is, make your bed, or be quiet in church, or behave in the car, whatever. Now look, I know children are children, but the deal is, don't badger, don't browbeat your kids. Okay, so you say, well, if I'm not to browbeat my kids, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get them to do what's right. You know, it's kind of like announcements in church. Announcements are important, aren't they? But you know, if you spend too much time on them, nobody hears them. Because everybody goes to sleep during announcements. I mean... Um, and the guy gets up and he says, now, don't forget the service on Wednesday night as if anybody would have forgotten it. Or don't forget <laughs> next Sunday morning at uh, 10 o'clock or, or, you know, whatever. So I think it's fine to make announcements, announcement, but, you, but you, need, you need to be careful that you're not just kind of <coughs> browbeating people. Now, that's overstated. But the idea is don't browbeat, don't badger your kids, just... Uh, Teach them what to do. what's right. Okay, now you say, well, if you don't browbeat them or, or uh, bash your kids, how does this work? Well, here's what the Bible says. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Now, the word nurture means discipline. It means enforced discipline. It, it is a discipline that would include things like punishment or spankings. Now, it's not just that. It's training. It's teaching. Um, bring them up in the nurture, that's what that word means, and admonition. Admonition means to put into the mind up. So the idea is that I am to tell my kids what to do and inform them as to what they should and shouldn't do and then see to it that they do it. See? And you do that with when necessary, punishment including spankings. Now spankings are a serious matter. I I don't think there's any question, well obviously in this passage the Bible deals with that, but you want you want to learn how to spank and you want to be sure that you're not, spankings are not meant to harm, they're meant for pain, uh, which corrects, and that's the whole idea. See, uh, my dad would say this is a spanking matter. He was always clear about it. And so the deal is, you didn't get spanked for everything in in the home. But he would name spanking matters. I'll give you one for example. In our home, it was a spanking matter to run in church. Now I'm not saying that running in church is terrible for your kids. It was terrible in our home. So my dad would say to me, Bill, don't run in church its a spanking matter. Now that meant that if I ran in church, I'd be spanked, see. So suppose my dad is up here uh, talking to pastor uh, Vince, and they're up here and my dad is standing here, they're talking, and suppose I'm eight years old, forgive me English, and I come running around this corner. i I you know, I can see this as if it were <laughs> happening right now. I, I'm running around the corner. My dad would say, pastor, excuse me just a second. Bill! Bill, son, did I tell you not to run in church? Yes, sir. Did I did I tell you it was a spanking matter? Yes, sir. What do you think we should do about it? Well, my answer was always, spank me. he's going through anyway, so <laughs> the deal is she wanted to be in agreement about something, so. <laughs> so my dad would say, well, sit down, we'll take care of it. So I'd sit down. And then he'd go ahead and keep talking to the pastor. Another hour and a half, <laughs> two hours, whatever he felt like. Then after that, you'd get in the car and you'd go home. And then you'd go usually into the living room, sometimes the bedroom, and you'd be spanked. Here's the way my dad spanked. Um, and by the way, I didn't get any spankings much past nine. I'm not saying that's normal or abnormal. I'm just saying in our home, you caught on that if dad said... It's a spanking matter. Hey, you were all for it. <laughs> you didn't want to cross that. My dad would sit down in a chair. you bend over his left knee. He was right-handed. And he'd put his right leg over your legs like that so that your legs wouldn't be scarfed up or hurt or anything. Then he'd put his, his palm, his hand, in the small of your back. And my mother would hold my hands. That's so I wouldn't you know, get my hand scarfed. And he's protecting my gizzard or whatever's in the small of my back, he's protecting that. So that when he spanked, and I don't mean this to be certainly not off color and not even necessarily humorous, there was a lot of pain involved, but there were no bones to be broken, there were no organs to be harmed, um, everybody was, was fine, it, it just was painful. And then after it was over, it was pretty much over. And then after my dad spanked, he would say, uh, give me a, a second to be able to breathe right again because it was really quite a uh, disappointing for me and a painful thing to go through and after I kind of settled down he'd say now Bill uh, you know we don't we don't run in church in this family and I'm sure you'll never run in church again no no <laughs> I, will, I will never run in church again I I was in complete agreement and then I left him by the way after spanking if, if you get like that you didn't spank you know my I've had people say to me, well, if my dad dad spanked me like your dad did, I'd hate him. And my answer is, look, if my dad ever spanked you, you'd love him just for quitting. You'd think (laughs) this is the greatest thing in the world. And so, um, dad would settle I remember once, there was... We lived in Wheaton, Illinois. There's a hot water radiant heater. You know what those are like? It's a radiator. And there's a little spigot on the end of it. I don't know what it was for, but there was hot water that ran through it and the deal was never touched. the hot water radiant heaters. It's a spanking matter. One night going to bed, upstairs, I fiddled. I don't know why I did this. I fiddled with the little spigot. And my brother Pete came along, he fiddled with it. And we left it open and the, the water, the steam condensed and poured out on the floor. And dad had just put up, we call it Sealitex in those days. sealitex something like that. And it came down through the ceiling and there was a big, you know, brown area where So dad and mother met us when Pete, my brother and I, a year and a half younger than I, when we got up, dad said, Bill, did you do it? Yes, sir. Pete, did you do it? Yes, sir. Did I tell you it was a spanking matter? Yes, sir. Let's go into the living room. So mother sat down and Pete bent over mother's lap and mother spanked Pete while dad spanked me. Then when they got finished, they swapped. Oh, <laughs> mother, mother got me and, and Dad got Pete. Now look, I'm 76. If I came to your home and there's a hot water radiant heater and you say, look at, look at this heater, come over here and just touch the heater. I'm not getting near a hot water I, If they have them in heaven, I will bypass them. In other words, I think about hot water radiant heaters the same way my dad did don't touch them. And nobody ever screamed at me, nobody ever hollered at me. I think the calmer you can be in dealing with your kids, the better. Sometimes it's important to raise one's voice just for the sake of emphasis, but be sure that they know you're in control. You don't badger your kids, you bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, all of this is part and parcel of of the truth that you can raise your kids uh, for God. And you can. We've got several children here this morning. And it's wonderful to see them. And I know kids are kids are kids or kids are kids. And I know our kids can embarrass us or disappoint us or whatever, but here's the deal. When you're in the process of parenting, be sure that you realize that you have God's assurance that you can raise your kids properly. See, you can you can do that, and um, it's just important for children to obey their parents to the Lord because it's right to honor father and mother, and for fathers not to provoke their children to wrath, but to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, I I don't think I don't think that my family is any example other than that our family is one family. Um, that like many other families where parents love the Lord have um, guided their children into serving the Lord. Is this making sense to you? Um, my grandfather, I never met him, he died before I was born. I was born in 42 and he died in 36, 38, something like that. Uh, no, I guess it was before that, 32 maybe. And uh, my grandfather's name was William Henry Rice and. He had three preacher sons, one of whose name was William Henry Rice, that was my dad. My dad was Bill Rice, Jr., and I'm Bill Rice, the third. I have a son who's Bill Rice, the fourth. and he has a son that's Bill Rice, V. I know this is getting kind of out of hand, but <laughs> Wilson has a son that's Bill Rice, the fifth, and Wilson's 18? Wilson's 18, and when Wilson gets married, his first child will be uh, William Henry Rice, the sixth. And I know you're thinking, well, what if it's a girl? doesn't make any difference. Her name is <laughs> William you the Rice. Okay, now, I don't have any idea what Wilson's going to do. I, I think it's possible he could be called into ministry, but I don't know, and I don't think that's that's the crucial matter. I think the crucial thing is that he, he does whatever God wants him to do, don't you think? Yeah. So, but um, my point is, that I serve the Lord, or seek to, because of my parents. See? And so Wilson uh, should seek to because of his parents. You know, this is interesting. Last summer at the ranch, I heard my son, Will, and a lot of his peers, people you you might not know, people like um, Matt Downs and Chris Miller and Tim Thompson. These guys were all 40-ish uh, or 38-ish, um, and I heard all of these men preach last summer and say things from the Bible that I heard my dad say 50 years ago. is not that great? See? And that's the way it's supposed to work, you see? Um, talked about the fact that I, I've known your pastor since he was just a youngster. I, I know um, your pastor because his dad and mom Uh, came from parents that love the Lord, and sent them to a Christian school. And uh, when his dad was in college, he came just as a counselor in the summer at the ranch to help. And his mom did too. They came from two different Christian schools, but they came and met there. and uh, As the story goes, they fell in love and got married, and they had Brother Vance. Okay, so um, Dale Stover is not a pastor, but he loves the Lord. And he has served God all of his life. Are you following this? Okay, so he has fence. Okay, so uh, last night Mary and I went to supper at um, the Stover home. Had a delicious supper. We had a wonderful time. And we got in the car uh, to, to go home and go to bed. And I said to Mary, you know, I'm impressed with the boys. Now, I don't know if you are or not, that is not my point. And I don't think the boys are angels, that's not my point either. My point is that both of those fine youngsters will one day be adults. And I hope they'll be in a church, just. I expect they'll be in a church just like this one. Because you can raise your kids to honor the Lord. Now I know sometimes that there are people whose kids have broken their hearts or disappointed them, I know that. But if you are a young parent, as several of you are here in this room, I would say take heart that you can have the kind of kids God would have you to have. So children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live longer there the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now after lunch. We're going to come back to this passage, um, but we'll, in fact, I'm going to shoot at 18 minutes. Does that sound fair? I'm going to shoot at 18 minutes. I I just want you to see five things we learn from this passage, and we won't have the time to go into all five things um, a lot, but it's amazing what God expects us to learn in the home. So we'll look at that, okay? Let's bow for prayer. Nobody here but us, and I'm not going to embarrass anybody at all. We're not going to have a, quote, come forward invitation. But let me ask this. I wonder if you're here today and you'd say, You know, Bill, as we looked at Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, God spoke to my heart about being the kind of parent I should be. And so I just want to commit today to being the kind of parent described in Ephesians 6. And you'd say, Brother Bill and Pastor, would you pray with me and for me? And Brother Branch, would you mind just standing with me a second here? Uh, you just say, Brother Bill, pray with me and for me, that I'll be the kind of parent God would have me to be. Would you slip a hand up? Well, God bless you. Yes. God bless you. Fine. Father, you know hearts, and I've seen these hands, and uh, Pastor has. And you know um, that it's important that we be what you'd have us to be at home. And we're thankful for a church like this that helps parents to be what they should be so that children can be what they should be so that the church can be what it should be. And I just ask that you'll work in our midst, please. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. All right. Thank you.